Welcome to the Digital Brand Envy Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Caruana, and this is the 13th episode of the podcast. And today I am going to be sharing 13 of the many marketing lessons that I have learned from Taylor Swift and her brilliant team. If you're a fan of Taylor's, you'll know that 13 is famously her favorite number, as it is mine, and you'll also know that her album gets released the same week as the podcast does. I also got her album name tattooed onto my forearm this week, but that's another story. Let's just say that I'm a big fan. So if you're familiar with her music, you'll find all sorts of fun song references in here, but even if you are not a fan or have never heard her music, you have to admire the marketing machine that Taylor Swift and company have created. With her brand new record deal and new album coming out this week, many argue that Taylor is not only still thriving 13 years after the release of her first album, but that she is actually at the top of her game. So let's dive into the really smart business moves that she's made that has allowed her to stay untouchable through a crossover, scandal, and more. I'll also be giving you ideas for how you can incorporate each of these strategies into your own business, so stay tuned. There will be so much value here. So are you ready for it? Let's dive in. You're listening to the Digital Brand Envy Podcast, where we believe creating an impactful customer journey is the biggest opportunity to grow any business. Sales funnel strategist Michelle Caruana will let you in behind the scenes of the campaigns and launches her team is working on while highlighting what's working and what's not to attract an audience and convert them into customers and raving fans so you can achieve your own envy-worthy brand. All right, so the first marketing lesson that I learned from Taylor Swift is If you have a vision and know your audience, then speak now. One of the things I love most about Taylor Swift is that she's always found the perfect balance between knowing what her fans wanted from her and what she needed to do for herself as an artist to stay true. When she fully crossed over from country to pop for her album 1989, her label owner at the time, Scott, begged her to add a few country songs onto the album, and some of her fan base did as well. Though us as fans all felt this coming after she released her album Red, which was definitely more aligned with the pop genre than any previous album, sometimes as fans, it's hard to accept change and move on and develop with the artist. However, Taylor stood her ground and insisted that her album would remain exactly the way she had written it. This is important because Scott, being a successful label owner, would have definitely been considered an industry expert at the time and the kind of person whose opinion was rarely disputed. The reason that Taylor was able to do this and release 1989, which was, by the way, her most successful album yet at the time, as a successful crossover was because she was so acutely tuned into her fans and her strengths as a musician. She knew where her heart was and also knew that her fans would feel it if she released something that was disingenuous. And so despite industry advice, she went ahead with her plans. And I am sure looking back that she is incredibly grateful that she used her voice and leverage to stand up for herself and use her voice to steer her own career. So if you are feeling like a pivot in your business is the right move, or if your customers or subscribers are seeming like their tastes or needs are changing, Don't be afraid to forge a new path and try something new, even if people are telling you it's crazy. 
And don't be afraid to quote unquote fix something that isn't broken because sometimes that's what it takes to truly scale. You have to get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Just last month, I changed one of my most successful programs from a pay in full model to a monthly subscription model, even though it was doing well and was highly profitable. I got a mixed reaction from my students and peers, but in the end, I went ahead with the change because it's what was in my heart and I am so happy I did because I knew that the change would help my students see more value and in turn achieve more success through the program. If you want to hear about why and how I made that transformation, just head back to episode 12. But here's the takeaway from lesson one. Don't be afraid to jump even if you fall. It's okay and no change in your business needs to be permanent, but you'll never know if you don't try. Right, the second lesson I learned from Taylor Swift is know all too well that you are nothing without your fans. So speaking of fans, Taylor Swift has always been extremely involved with her fan base, not only with their needs and their wants, but actually with them. She has been known to pay student loans and medical bills and even surprise some of her most loyal fans. And she actually sends gifts and Christmas presents to them. And that is often to the shock of some of her social media followers. These small gestures not only created an unforgettable moment for the people on the receiving end of her kindness, but it showed her other fans that she was committed to seeing them and appreciating them. I'm reading Pat Flynn's book called Superfans right now, and he explains that it's these little moments that create true superfans, and superfans are the lifeblood of any business. And let's be honest. Being a musician and having a career in music is a business. Not only do those affected by the gifts and little moments like that become super fans for life, but they share their experience over and over again with family, friends, and acquaintances, both online, offline, social media, all that. This causes their excitement to spread like wildfire, further growing Taylor Swift's or your fan base. This can be really easy to incorporate into your business and can have huge benefits. Figure out little ways that you can surprise and delight your best customers and create super fans out of them that will share your business with everyone they know and talk excitedly about you. If you seek your fans out and make them feel special, they will again spread their enthusiasm near and far. A great example of this strategy we use at my brick and mortar business, Climbing Vines Cafe and Play, and it's a strategy such that we have monthly members and they're what we would consider our best customers because they've committed to visiting us often via a contract. However, even though they love our facility, that doesn't necessarily alone make them super fans. It doesn't necessarily make them feel inclined to share our business with their family and friends. So something we do to go above and beyond for them is keep track of their children's birthdays or their arrival of any new babies in their family and Either send a small gift or have a gift ready the next time they come in to visit. This is so small and takes very little effort, but it shows them that we care about them, not just their money, and usually has that super fan effect. We get so many referrals from these members turned super fans that the gifts are so well worth the time, money, and effort, and it makes us feel really connected as a community with our members as well. However, you don't need a big grand gesture just to make a customer, subscriber, or follower feel special. 
answering all of your social media comments, personally responding to every email, or sharing your fans' posts and stories about your product or service on your own channel is a great way to get started with this strategy. For my most recent launch, for example, I responded to every single email that I got with a video message personalized for that person. Not only did I see my highest conversion rate ever into my paid program and I increased my number of students that I had by a ton, I created fans, which are even more important than customers in a business's success because fans create more customers. Another thing that I think is really interesting that Taylor Swift does is listening parties. And what she does and what her team does is they seek out these super fans on social media and they invite them to a super secret listening party. It's either at her house or some sort of hotel and she does little things that you wouldn't think a superstar would do like makes cookies and makes little favors and presents and things like that and she really takes the time to go around that secret listening party and talk to every single person and really make them feel special and that definitely creates super fans out of the people that are actually invited to the listening party and it caused a lot of her songs and different album features to go viral because these people were spreading her message like wildfire. And this user-generated type of content is becoming more and more important in the marketing industry in 2019 and beyond. So if you're not figuring out a way to get more user-generated content to share and to have them share to their friends and family and really show people how to use your product, why they should like it, why they should trust you, then you are going to fall far behind. You can incorporate a similar strategy in your business by using focus groups. So when we open Climbing Vines Cafe and Play, and even still years later, we do a lot of focus groups. We do these both in person and via video call, and it's just a great way to really get a pulse on what the customers are feeling, what they're wanting, and it's important to stay up to date with these because every time a competitor opens or every time there's a new trend or a fad or a parenting need, people are going to want different things and they might have different opinions. So the reason that I love focus groups more than like surveys or polls or things like that is because I have always found that it's really important to sit in a room with somebody if possible, but if not, talk with them over video because you can see their body language, you can see their tone, and the different people inside that focus group are going to be able to piggyback off of each other's comments and converse with each other. And hearing the words that they say and the language that they use and the way they talk to each other and relate to each other is going to give you so much valuable insight as a business owner. So I definitely recommend either gathering your best customers or maybe even people that are a little bit more advanced than your best customers. So what I mean by that is we do mainly first and second birthday parties at Climbing Vines Cafe and Play. So what I might do is instead of inviting a bunch of potential customers, so people with babies under one, I might invite a bunch of people with three, four, or five-year-olds. And the reason that I would choose those people is because they've likely done and seen it all when it comes to birthday parties. They've already hosted likely at least one first birthday party. They've probably been to a bunch and they know what makes one good and what makes one bad and they probably have a lot of opinions. So sometimes it's really beneficial when you're putting together a focus group to get a variety of customers at all different paths and at all different points in their purchasing journey. So 
that is a great way to incorporate that strategy into your business. And I just have a really quick story here. I'm going to make this really short, but this shows just how much of a super fan Taylor made me into because she actually kind of burned me once. So I was filming for the TLC show, Say Yes to the Dress. And spoiler alert, the episode never actually aired in full because I was actually cast on the show as a Taylor Swift fanatic and as basically a super fan. And when I arrived at Kleinfeld's, they had a a Taylor Swift t-shirt already for me and they had all of her albums and they had a backpack for me to wear. And they really wanted me to put on the show that I was this big Taylor Swift super fan. And I did. Um, but I was eight weeks pregnant and I was actually pretty sick at the time. I like threw up on the way to the dress fitting. But anyways, that's another story. But she was actually, this has never been confirmed, but I'm 99% sure that she was supposed to show up at my dress fitting and surprise me because we waited around for a really long time and a lot of people were whispering and things like that. And I was so excited. I thought I was going to have a heart attack, but luckily I didn't. But instead of Taylor Swift arriving, a big bouquet of flowers arrived and they said that she couldn't make it, but she sent her regards and probably had her assistant send flowers. And honestly, I wanted to cry inside. I was so emotional from being pregnant and I was just about to get married and I was so excited and all these cameras were in my face and I will never forget having to film my reaction, getting the flowers over and over and over again, because I couldn't stop crying and I was just having such a big pity party for myself. And honestly, I swore that day that I was never going to listen to Taylor's music again, but because she had already solidified herself into so many different parts of my life. And I really felt like if she, if she could have been there, she would have. And I tried not to take it personally. And I really just, you know, I obviously don't know her personally, but based on the things that she puts out there and the contributions that she makes, I really feel like she is a genuine person. And I, after a couple of days, I didn't take it to heart. And again, I'm back at my super fan status. As you remember from the intro, I have her album name now tattooed on my arm permanently, but that just goes to show you that if you have a really strong brand and if you've developed no like and trust with a customer, they will be your super fan for life, whether or not you have a little slip up. So Just to wrap up this story and then I'll move on. After I filmed for my dress fitting, TLC still flew all the way out for my wedding. There was a huge camera crew at my wedding and it was actually pretty distracting and kind of a bummer and they're in like all my wedding pictures. And spoiler alert, Taylor Swift did not show up at my wedding either, but I wasn't really expecting it. But again, I am a super fan for life despite that little setback in our journey and That's because I have really developed that no like and trust with Taylor and I really feel like she is a genuine person that really cares about her fans and that's what matters to me, not, you know, my personal (laughs) happiness, I guess. So anyways, we're moving on. Thanks for indulging me in that little story. All right. So the third marketing lesson that I learned from Taylor Swift is that haters are going to hate. So you've got to shake it off. I talk a lot about this on my blog, but one of the most disheartening parts of owning a business, for me at least, is fielding negative feedback. And this is not to say that I don't take constructive criticism well, because I do. When someone comes to me with something that they they feel I could improve or clarify or make better, I truly take those comments to heart and usually can find a way to implement them, which all business owners should really strive to do. And I've gotten better at this over the years. It was a rough start. But 
there is a fine line when constructive criticism becomes cruel, and sometimes people can just be mean. So now, as a small business owner, I deal with this on a much smaller scale than any celebrity, and I can honestly not even imagine how difficult it must be to not only deal with hundreds of thousands of comments and headlines and articles and all of that stuff every single month about me. I cannot begin to fathom how hard it must be to step out of your home and constantly be watched and ridiculed. Something that I love about Taylor Swift is that she handles all of this in stride and she never lets it affect her, at least publicly. She understands that she does not always need to put on a show for the paparazzi or do something scandalous just to gain followers. She is confident her work will speak for itself and do that for her. There was recently a streaking incident making waves in the social media world in which a famous YouTuber's girlfriend became basically famous overnight. And everyone in all of my social media manager groups was like, wow, all those followers, she must be rich now. But all of that overnight success does not make for a sustainable business. Yes, her account grew at a viral rate, but how many of those followers would truly be engaged? How many sponsors would be willing to put their brand in her hands, knowing that these followers didn't even really know her outside of this incident, and so how could they trust her? How long would the buzz about her streaking last? And I'll give you a hint here, it didn't last long, and she will not be able to build a sustainable business or wealth from her stunt. All right, so back to Taylor Swift. She also understands that it's okay to take a media break and shut the public out of parts of her life, which I think is so important for any business owner. She very carefully selects her interviews and public appearances, and in her album 1989, she made tons of references to staying out of the public eye in order to preserve her relationships and likely her mental health as well, if I could take a guess. And again, that's okay, and that is her right to do. You don't need to open up every part of your life in order to be successful as a business owner. You do not owe it to your fans to disclose every detail about your life. Taylor also currently has her Instagram comments turned off and has for a while, yet she is still thriving on social media and her fans are as loyal as ever. So the takeaway here is that it's okay to break a few best practices, like get as many comments as possible, if it's going to make you a healthier, happier person or a better artist or writer or whatever it is that you do. Allow yourself some privacy and give yourself permission to close off parts of your life and do not be afraid to put up boundaries. So just a really quick personal example, I struggled with, like I said, receiving really negative, cruel comments from my business climbing vines for a long time. And I actually ended up putting up a gatekeeper. And that is basically someone who manages our social media accounts and helps protect me from some of the negative reviews and comments. Because even though we get probably one negative comment out of 100 comments, I tend to take those negative comments a lot more to heart. And it can really stifle my creativity and drain my energy. And If my energy is drained and I'm not innovating and I'm not dreaming up new ways to best serve my customers, then I'm doing my entire business a disservice. So I had to put a little gatekeeper up and they kind of filter out all of those comments and really only escalate what absolutely has to be escalated to me. And just having the sheer volume of comments be cut 
into not even half, into a small fraction of what they were has been so freeing. And again, I'm more free to be creative. I'm more free to innovate. And my business has grown as a result. So again, give yourself permission to set boundaries and say no and not disclose every single detail of your personal life to your followers because you don't owe it to them. You owe it to yourself to stay true to what's best for you. All right, so the fourth marketing lesson that I learned from Taylor Swift is that being consistent is key. So you've got to stay, stay, stay. A lot of people think that Taylor Swift reached overnight fame around the age of 16 when she released her self-titled album with Big Machine Records. However, there was a long journey prior to that, which included many no's from record labels, many shows that not really anyone showed up to, and many songs she wrote that no one ended up hearing. She sang at fairs, sporting events, anywhere that would let her. Not to mention, she moved from her hometown in Pennsylvania all the way to Nashville to pursue her dream. I'm not going to get into all the details, but her success definitely did not come overnight. And ask any successful business owner you may feel the same way about, because they'll tell you. They may not have necessarily publicized or posted about or bragged about the years and years and thousands of hours that went on behind the scenes to build their business, but I promise you, if they have a successful, sustainable business, they put in that time. For example, a lot of people think that Rachel Hollis kind of exploded onto the scene with Girl, Wash Your Face, one of her books, but she will be the first to tell you that it took 10 years, innumerable sacrifices, and a few much less successful publications to finally crack the code and find that success. So here's the big difference between these successful business owners and people that fail. They never give up. Even when they failed, even when people laughed at their dreams and tried to belittle them, even when they were told they'd never get what they wanted, they did not give up and they did not treat every failure like the end of the world. They just kept going, kept learning, and kept pursuing their dreams. One of my favorite sayings is that if you think something is taking too long to achieve, consider this. The last thing to grow on a fruit tree is the fruit, and that is so true with any business. So for example... I started creating content for Play Cafe Academy, one of my online programs, in December, January of 2018, 2019. And I got really frustrated about three months in because even though I had done really thorough keyword research and I was being really strategic with my content creation, I was not seeing a ton of results yet. And I am so glad that I kept going and that I didn't give up because let me tell you, I put in so many hours in those first three months. But if I had given up, then eight months later, I would not have the financial freedom that I have now. I would not have a business that deeply fulfills me. I would not have a highly engaged engaged student group of almost 400 people that have benefited from my programs. If I had given up three months in, I would not be where I was today and I would always be wondering what if. So consistency is so important because it's the one thing that a lot of people lack and it's probably the hardest thing in business because again, it's really easy to not get a quick win or not feel that instant gratification or instant success and just kind of either give up or lose steam or both. So again, I urge you to stay consistent and keep your head down and keep working because it really pains me to think how many people gave up on their dreams just before they were able to actually enjoy the fruits of their labor. So use Taylor, use Rachel Hollis, use me, whatever you want to do, but I'm so glad that none of us gave up. 
All right, the fifth marketing lesson that I learned from Taylor Swift is that keeping customers or fans or subscribers is a delicate operation. So as a business owner, you'll likely find yourself with two unique problems to solve in your business. The first will be how to gain a new fan or customer, and the second will be how to retain that customer or fan. And this is one of the biggest lessons that I have learned from Taylor because she definitely keeps me buying every album, even when I can stream it for free. She keeps me attending every concert, even though she didn't show up to my wedding. And I definitely go to every event that I can. And even if I, even if I can watch them online and I'm always buying all the merch, even though I am a 28 year old mother of two and probably have no business doing so. She sure knows how to keep her fans interested and not only interested, but also spending money. I could list dozens of examples here, but I'm going to highlight how she sold 400,000 copies of her reputation album that anyone could listen to for free online. The answer really lies in her loyalty program and purchase incentives that she had put into place as her promotional strategy for this album and tour. So in order to get tickets to the reputation tour, Fans were incentivized to purchase her album and buy merchandise because when they made these purchases, they earned loyalty points, and the more they bought, the more they earned. When concert tickets were released, fans were given a spot in line based on the amount of loyalty points that they had received. This turned me off at first, and it may have turned some other people off as well because her concert tickets are already expensive enough without these extra purchases, but honestly, once I read her messaging, and once I read her reasoning, it really resonated with me. So the way that Taylor positioned it was really smart, and it definitely worked. And again, I was one of the loyal fans who made purchases, and I was indeed rewarded and had great seats to her reputation tour. So The way she positioned it was that it was not that she wanted to squeeze every penny out of her fans. She instead let fans know that she wanted tickets to get into their hands and not into the hands of bots and scalpers who would inevitably drive ticket prices skyward. So this was smart for her because she could keep more of that higher margin ticket, and it was smart for the fans because they wouldn't have to pay scalper prices. So it basically became an us versus them mentality, and it caused all of the Swifties to unite and appreciate her efforts, and they in turn spent an incredible amount on merch for that album. Loyalty programs are one of the most well-established marketing tactics, and I thought that this was a really fun way to put a twist on it. So I am always about rewarding your best customers and giving them special perks. So for example, for Climbing Vines, a lot of times we will give our members special event passes. We might have special preview events for them. We might do um, special game nights or special customer appreciation nights for them. Sometimes we'll give them swagger like mugs and t-shirts. But again, it's all about serving our customers and mostly our best customers and really surprising and delighting them any way we can. So the important thing here is to know what your customers want. So for Taylor Swift, she knew that her that her fans would want affordable ticket prices and that they also enjoyed merch so they wouldn't mind buying it. And she knew that one of their pain points was that they were going to have to deal with scalpers and bots and reselling tickets and things like that. And again, she didn't like that some of the reseller sites and the scalpers would be profiting from her tour and not her. So she knew her fans in that way and her loyalty program really paid off. 
So know your people and serve them at the highest level and make sure you have the messaging in place to support your mission and make sure you communicate what you're trying to do with your fans so that they understand where you're coming from. All right, the six marketing lessons that lesson that I learned from Taylor Swift is to teach fans to keep their eyes open. So Taylor Swift is really famous for putting Easter eggs in her songs. And one of the things that she loves doing is to keep fans guessing. And by keeping fans guessing and putting all sorts of these little gems for people to decode in her albums and her songs and things like that, it makes for some very shareable content. So even though Taylor Swift has been less active on social media lately, you know, her Instagram comments are turned off, even though she's not putting out a ton of content, every piece of content that she puts out there has likely some sort of little meaning and people are not only going to reshare it, but they are going to create YouTube videos about it. They're going to create blog articles about it. They're going to create Reddit threads about it. And it's basically fueling the fire to keep people interested and keep people guessing and coming up with these theories. And Taylor knows that her fans love to decode and love to play detective. So she really does a great job of keeping them on the edge of their seats. And she's trained them to do this. So she has in the past admitted that she has left Easter eggs or these, um, these secret mystery messages in her content. So now fans look for it. So they know that every single time she releases a music video or a song or an Instagram post or something like that, they scour it, they share it. And again, they talk to their friends about it. They talk on social media about it. And that causes one tiny piece of content that Taylor Swift created, again, to spread like wildfire and go viral. So if you're launching and you want to incorporate this tactic into your own business, tease your content. Create a video of you quickly scrolling through a new freebie or post little blips of your podcast episode of your YouTube video onto your social media. So if your ultimate goal is to grow your YouTube channel, for example, and you don't want to share the entire video on Facebook, just post a little teaser tip of maybe a quick, a quick win that people can get from your video and entice them to watch the rest of the video over on your YouTube channel. People love a little tease and leveraging that for your growth is definitely a smart strategy and one of Taylor Swift's favorites. Another thing that I think is really fun is if you're opening a brick and mortar business or something like that is do a time lapse of your build out or post a ton of sneak peeks and ask people to share it and ask people to guess what you're building or ask people to name a new piece of your piece of your facility or something like that. Another tip that I have is it might be really fun to gamify your course or your products or your social media following by basically rewarding the most engaged or active customers or followers with prizes or badges. So a really easy way to do this is to use your top fan badges on Facebook. If you have a Facebook group or a Facebook page and you communicate with your fans regularly, you might have noticed that you have the ability to award your top fans with badges and that's optional. And I always recommend doing that because people are really competitive. And if they've been awarded something like that, like a top fan badge, they're going to want to keep it. And it's going to make them feel special, which we've talked about already, and it's going to make them engage even more. All right. The seventh lesson that I have learned from Taylor Swift is to create a really enchanting customer experience. So if you've ever been to a Taylor Swift concert, you'll know what I mean by this. 
every single tour, she's done something really special to make sure her fans not only have a great time, but have such an amazing experience that they don't stop talking about it or sharing about it. Again, we are trying to create super fans here as business owners, as Pat Flynn would say. All right, so for some examples. At her Speak Now tour, she had some of the most incredible onstage acting that I have ever seen. It was truly a performance. She had a fake wedding on stage. She had ballet dancers. And for one of her fan favorite songs, Love Story, she actually went all around the stadium in a floating balcony so that even fans in the nosebleeds could get a closer look and feel close to the star. For her 1989 tour, she introduced some more technology, which I thought was really interesting. So every single person that entered the concert got an LED wristband, and with every single song, it lit up a different color. So for example, for some of her more, I guess, aggressive songs, it would be red, and they would pulse to the beat. So the entire stadium was lit up to the beat of the song, and it changed for every song. So I will never forget one of um, in 1989 at that tour, there was one of the songs that she played was Clean, and basically, Clean is about a redemption story after a relationship. And basically, they formatted the LED wristbands blue, and it looked like rain. So it truly created an experience that people not only could listen to but could really feel. And that to me was one of the most memorable things that has ever been done at a concert. And so much so for reputation, she actually reintroduced those wristbands and did them again, but put a few twists on them. And she also added some stages at that show. So again, fans in the back could still get a great experience. So these little things really made those concerts, not just events that I went to, but true experiences that I seriously still talk about at cocktail parties to this day. And apologies to my husband for that, by the way. So this, again, is all about surprising and delighting customers. Customers derive value from a simple equation. That equation is benefit divided by cost equals value. Now, you can increase customer value one of two ways. You can decrease the denominator by decreasing the price, and that will increase the value, or you can increase value by adding benefit in the numerator. Taylor, for this example, chose to increase the benefit that customers were getting, and I think that's really smart because she's able to charge a lot of money for her concerts because people find that those extra little tidbits of experience really beneficial and they're willing to pay more for it. So a great example of this is our birthday party events at Climbing Vines Cafe and Play. Instead of trying to discount our prices or be the cheapest parties in town, we instead stack value and make sure that we are putting in those little details that customers are really willing to pay for. And we are probably a few hundred dollars over the price of our closest competitors, but we are still able to book our parties out months and months in advance because, again, we've chosen to increase the numerator and increase the benefit that people are getting from our parties instead of decreasing price. And that's not going to work for every business. You know, there's always going to be a place for that value product, but it really just depends on your business model and the way you want to run your business. So if you would rather charge a higher price and provide a more premium service or product, take some notes from Taylor Swift because she knows how to do it. All right, the eighth marketing lesson that I have learned from Taylor Swift is to know when it should be about you versus a story of us. So speaking of events, something that Taylor Swift has always been great at is 
knowing when to collaborate with brands or other artists, and when to go it alone. The big question you have to ask yourself as a business owner is, will this collaboration enhance my fans or customers' experience, or will it detract from it? And a quick example for climbing vines, again, I know I keep using this as an example, but it fits really well, is a lot of times we will get offers to collaborate on our events. And sometimes I'll say yes if it increases the benefit that my customers receive. So for example, if a face painter wants to come and paint the faces of all of my customers, that's a benefit and they're going to be willing to pay for that and that will enhance their experience. So I say yes. However, if a salesperson or somebody who wants to peddle insurance products or something like that and they want to sell to my customers, that's likely going to detract from their experience and they're not going to pay more to be sold to from a vendor. So in that case, I do not think that the collaboration will benefit me or my brand and I think it will actually hurt my customer's view of me, so I will say no. So stay true to your value and your brand and only say yes to collaborations that feel good to you and will benefit your customers. So in Taylor Swift's example, she wrote every single lyric, every single note, every single chord of her albums all the way up to red. And that's when she really started collaborating. And I think that was really important for her because it allowed her to really grow as an artist organically and it let her come into her own space and feel really comfortable. And then when she felt like she reached a point where she could really benefit and her art could really benefit from collaborating and she felt like her fans could use something different and she wanted to reach out to a different type of fan base. So when she was thinking about switching over from country to pop, that's when she started collaborating. And I think that was really smart. And she's very, very selective about the brand endorsements that she does. And she really goes all in when she says, yeah, she doesn't just throw up a hundred sponsored posts on Instagram or things like that, because I think that really dilutes your power as an influencer. She really carefully selects who she partners with and she clearly only does things that she feels good about. And I think that's so important as a business owner. So take her key there. The ninth marketing lesson that I have learned from Taylor Swift is to not make the comparison game your end game. One of the lines that I love most in Taylor Swift's new album is in the song, You Need to Calm Down. And I'm going to spare you from singing it, but it's about how people on the internet, whether it be influencers or gossip, gossip columnists or critics, are all obsessed with comparing others and asserting some people as winners and some as losers. And this mentality makes it difficult for us as business owners to live in this world of social media and information and where opinions can be posted so easily from behind a keyboard. I'm going to say another one of my favorite quotes here from James Keller. A candle loses nothing by lighting another candle. And this is one that I really try to use in practice. So not only does one person's success not equate to another person's failure, but it's also important to lift each other's up who are on the same journey as us, whether they're further down the path than we are or whether they are just getting started. We have to show compassion and stop comparing each other and we have to encourage others to quit doing that as well because it's not healthy and it's not making a contribution and it's not making us move forward. There is more than enough success, money, followers, views, fans, customers for everyone. 
the takeaway here is to just stay in your own lane, focus on what you do best and serve your best customers at the highest level. And you will always achieve the success you deserve. So don't worry about what everyone else is doing. In fact, give them a pat on the back and some encouragement because you never know when you might need it yourself. The 10th marketing lesson that I learned from Taylor Swift is to use your platform to contribute to change that you care about. I mentioned already how Taylor Swift has impacted the lives of individual fans, but she's also made contributions to major organizations and businesses she cares about, like Hurricane Harvey, her hometown library, and Rain, which is the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National, National Network. In addition to her monetary generosity, she also uses her large platform for good as well. She frequently shares issues she cares about on social media, empowering her fans with knowledge and action items so they can help as well if the cause is also something that they value. The takeaway here is that Taylor views her, her success not only as a way for her to improve her own life, but also as a way for her to transform the lives of others. It's never just about her, and I really respect that. And some ways that you can incorporate this into your own business, I'm going to give you another example from Climbing Vines, is that we, a couple times a year, will do a sale and it will benefit a specific charity. So for example, we do a book drive every year and it benefits Willow Domestic Violence Center. So as a small family business, we don't always have a ton of money to share, but what we do is we partner with a bookseller and we basically say, okay, for every book that we sell, we will donate a book to the Willow Domestic Violence Center. And because they give us a good rate on books, it's something that we can do without spending a ton of money, but people feel really good about it and they love that we do it and we feel really good about doing it. And we're always sure to ask the specific organization that we want to donate to what they actually need. So we're making sure that we're not just collecting books for somebody that really is in need of something else, but they happen to really be in the need of books at the time. And we were able to make a really large donation and people loved it and were excited about the cause. And it really helped us form a community together around that cause. So find a cause that you care about that is also likely something that's going to resonate with your customers and make it a group effort, make people feel involved and thank people for contributing and let people know most importantly what they can do to help and use your platform to not only grow your own business, but to help others as well. You will facilitate change in the world and it will also strengthen your community. All right, on to the 11th marketing lesson that I learned from Taylor Swift. And this one is long live your best content. So Taylor Swift certainly knows the value of repurposing her content and she does it well. For example, she replays her fan favorite songs like most artists do at concerts and also loves sharing throwbacks on her social media accounts. This reminds fans of how far they've come and grown together and Taylor Swift specifically because she started out in such a different place than she is now. I mean, her first album was released 13 years ago. It is really powerful. And as these super fans, as a super fan myself, I have been a fan all 13 years and I love hearing the classics and I love when she shares little behind the scenes details about how those classics came to be and I love hearing those stories. They really never get old to me. So as a business owner, not necessarily as an artist, repurposing content can save you a lot of time. 
So one of the lessons that I learned from Jenna Kutcher, who is the host of the Gold Digger podcast, is that she used to spend 80% of her time creating content and 20% of her time sharing her content. And she actually learned after a couple years of doing this that her equation should actually be reversed. So she should spend 20 time creating really solid, high quality content and 80% of her time sharing that content and resharing it and resharing it because you have to remember, you've been at your business since the beginning, but your fans aren't always along that whole journey with you. So a lot of times people are just finding about you out about you for the first time and they might not have seen that really popular blog article that you posted last year or that really high quality video that you put out on YouTube a couple years ago. They might not have ever seen it. So taking the 20% of your time to really create the best, most high quality, most engaging content is really what you want to focus on and then spend 80% of your time connecting and engaging with fans and resharing the content so that you're really making sure that you're making the most and really squeezing that content for all it's worth. And on things like YouTube, this is especially beneficial and blogs, this is a good point too for SEO. So one of the things about YouTube is that the more views are on a specific video, the more YouTube will show it. So basically I have one video that has about 2000 views. It's almost at 3000 now. And it grows by far the fastest, fastest organically because, because it has so many views and because it's a high quality video. So people are actually watching it from the beginning to the end. All of that signals to YouTube that it is a good piece of content. And so they put it out there more than some of my other videos that maybe don't have as many views. So even though that video is now almost a year old, it still is viewed at a higher rate than any of my other videos. So I've been doing more of this as well. I've definitely been spending more time sharing old content and making sure that I'm writing emails, pointing out some of this old content to my new subscribers to make sure they didn't miss it. And I have been seeing a lot of success with this strategy. So make sure you're not putting content out there and putting freebies out there and putting information out there and then just kind of letting it fizzle. You should be resharing it often and making sure that anybody that is new to your business is able to find that content as well. It's not only going to save you time, but again, it's going to give you the most value from that content and it's a really good way to grow your channels. Right. The 12th marketing lesson that I learned from Taylor Swift is that it's never too late to be brand new. So this is another nod to the many rebrandings that Taylor Swift has gone through through the years. But something that I love is that every single album she puts out there has a completely different aesthetic. So for Speak Now, everything was her curly hair and purple and bright colors. And she was very flirty and playful and everything was really upbeat. And yes, there was a lot of um, songs, you know, like Better Than Revenge. And there were some heartbreak songs in there. But in general, that that album was very ethereal and it had a certain vibe to it. And in all of her interviews and in her concert, she really played along with that. And for her red album, she did the red lips and there was a lot of red and black and white and a lot of that feel. And for reputation, everything was a little bit more hardcore and it was black and it was, um, you know, slicked back hair and it was a little bit different. And 1989 was a little bit more poppy and playful and lots of midriff bearing shirts and short shorts and metallics and Every single album, basically, if you can show me an interview of Taylor Swift, I can tell you without having any other context, 
what album that interview is from, what album she released around that time, because that's how much she commits to her brand and how much she, she commits to her look for every single album. And a lot of that has to do with where she is in her personal life. So for example, for her newest album, which is called Lover, which is what's now tattooed on my arm forever, she has a lot of really light colors and everything is very has a lot of hearts and butterflies and it's very magical and another ethereal vibe. And I love that it really reflects what she's talking about in the album and where she is in her life. And I love that she is not afraid to reinvent herself and she's not afraid to completely transform her look and go a completely different direction with every single album. And I love again, how much she commits to it and she will even change all of her social media aesthetics for her album. So when she was promoting her Reputation album, she actually deleted or archived all of her Instagram posts and then put out a series of coordinated Reputation posts when she was putting out, I think it was the Bad Blood music video. But she really commits and she is not afraid of a rebrand and she is not afraid of completely trying something different. If you would have shown me the Reputation vibe back in the Speak Now era, I would have been shocked and I would not have believed it. But because she commits so wholeheartedly and because she is so true to what she's going through in her life, fans are almost feeling like they're going on this journey with her. And I love that she is true to herself. And again, she's never afraid to be brand new. The 13th and final marketing lesson that I have learned from Taylor Swift the, that we're going to be sharing today at least is don't be afraid to begin again. And this one kind of piggybacks off the last one, but this one refers more to the fact that she is re-signed with a new label now. And she actually just announced today that after she learned that her master's, her master recordings are now in the hands of someone she does not really think has great intentions, she announced that starting in November 2020, she is actually going to be recording albums one through five all over again. And this may seem like a hugely daunting task to her, but she seems like she's taking it as a way to improve upon some of her classics and have fun with it and really take ownership of her work, which is something that she feels very passionate about. And that was actually her direct quote. She said, I believe artists should own their work. And I think that is so true and so important. And just a quick side note here, Something that I see business owners fall into a lot in terms of a trap is that they will be building their social media accounts and they'll be focusing on Instagram followers and Facebook followers. And I just want to give you a quick reminder that you don't own those followers. Facebook and Instagram do. So if you're only focused on that platform and you're not focused on getting people to your website and subscribing to your email list and getting them onto platforms that you own, you are putting your business at risk. And Taylor Swift has been the first person to admit that she unfortunately signed a record deal back when she was 16 that probably wasn't in her best interest and she regrets it and she is definitely having to pay for it both monetarily and she's going to have to spend a lot of time re-recording all of those albums. So make sure that you are doing whatever you can to protect your business. So to me, that means having your own website, having a way to collect email addresses and customer information so that if one of your accounts gets shut down or if Instagram goes down or Facebook goes down, that you have a way to communicate with your customers. I will never forget. I have a lot of clients that use one specific course building platform that is great, but it definitely touts itself as an all-in-one solution. So a lot of people have their website, their email, 
everything on that platform. And they have outages once in a while. And sometimes it's for a long time. And I'll never forget, we were in the middle of a launch and this particular site went down. And not only did my client not have access to his current clients, but he also didn't have access to his website or his email lists, or he had no way of communicating with his customers. So not only do you want to make sure that you're downloading that list and that you have a backup plan should something go down, but try to diversify and make sure that you're not putting all of your eggs into one basket. All right, so back to Taylor Swift. So instead of laying down and taking the deal and just accepting the fact that she would no longer have rights to her master's, she is reminding the world once again that she will not be silenced and that she will stand by her work and make sure that she is not taken advantage of. And I think this is incredibly courageous. And the only reason she's honestly even able to do this and have her fans lining up to buy albums again that they already have paid to own is because she has created such super fans and such a strong tribe and community that everyone who loves her is standing by her, rooting for her, and most importantly, showing up with their hard-earned money to support her. As a business owner, you want to emulate this community for yourself because you just never know what is going to happen. You could get a bad review, you could get involved in some type of scandal, and you will bounce back much faster if you have a strong tribe behind you. So in conclusion, whether you love her or whether you hate Taylor Swift, you have to respect her marketing genius and the way she has carried herself through the years and developed such a passionate and dedicated fan base, myself included. <laughs> I will definitely be buying her album this Friday and attending her shows and rocking her merch for years to come despite a few disappointments that I have personally had as a fan because she has worked so hard to make sure that every experience that I've had with her has been truly memorable. And because of that, I'm willing to accept a few setbacks and I have forgiven her for the TLC say yes to the dress incident. So figure out how to implement some of these 13 tips into your own business and you will undoubtedly be on your way to success and super fans as Pat Flynn would say. So I know this was one of my longer episodes and bravo to you if you are still listening and if you listen to all 13 marketing lessons that I learned from Taylor Swift, but I truly believe that she is a marketing genius and her team really creates customer experience that again, creates fans for life. And I try every day to learn something new, whether it be from Taylor Swift or another marketing professional or another artist or someone in my industry doing similar things. And I think that's the most important lesson I want you to take away from this episode is keep your eyes open and see what other people that are achieving the success that you want to achieve are doing and do more of that. Be a lifelong learner and never be too proud to take a lesson from somebody else, even if they're not in your industry. So if you want to learn more about me, follow me on Instagram. It's Michelle Caruana, Michelle with one L. And I'm going to put my Instagram handle in the show notes. If you want to see my tattoo or talk all things Taylor Swift, let me know. I look forward to seeing you there. Thank you so much for tuning in today.